Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Anybody else happy to be here? I couldn't tell it by looking at you. Come on now. We have baptized two people. We've dedicated a child to the Lord. We've had a week of vacation Bible school. Before that, we had a week of revival. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I've been to church recently. Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, verses 13 through 16. And as you turn there, I'd just like to say that as we gather together on this Father's Day, I'd like to ask you to take a second to remember on this day those men who have been so important in your lives. So today, remember to go and see them or visit them or call them if you can't go and visit them. But just make sure you tell those special men in your lives that you love them and appreciate them. And you may just be surprised how much they want to know that. I know dads oftentimes don't get too mushy. Some like me get too mushy, but... Uh, I promise you, if you'll just call them and tell them that you do appreciate them and you love them, whether they're your birth father or not, that doesn't necessarily make them your dad. There are many men in your life who may be important to you. So call them and tell them you appreciate them. And this morning on Father's Day, I want to touch on a subject that is near and dear to my heart on this Father's Day. And it's what happens when God finds Daddy. Because I believe firmly that in America today, we don't need more seminars or more classes on how to be a more loving man. I don't think that we need more classes on how to be a more feminine man, on how to be a more nurturing daddy, on how to be a more caring husband, on how to be some other load of stuff that all these seminars are out there telling us that as men we need to be. I'm not saying, don't go out of here and say, Brother Jason said we don't need to love our family. That's not what I said. I said, I don't think what we need is a seminar on how to be more feminine or how to be more loving or how to be more nurturing. I believe that in America, today, what we need is for the men of America and the men in our churches to find a relationship with God, to find a true God-honoring, rooted in the Holy Spirit relationship with God, because I believe that that is what is missing in way too many children's lives, and what is missing in way too many mothers' lives, and way too many wives' lives, is a man who will love God first. I'm not talking about a daddy who mama can drag to church if she has to and and he will go so that she won't complain. I'm not talking about a man who will occasionally accompany his kids to the church house. I'm talking about men who come in contact with the Holy Spirit of God and lead their families in the ways of the Lord. Men who says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. When a man gets in touch with his God side and not his feminine side, that's when families change. I've seen it over and over and over again that when God finds daddy, families change. Now, this is a little public service announcement before we start preaching this morning for you men out there. You want to lead your family? You want to lead your wife? You want to love your children? You want to be the man that you think they want you to be or they need you to be? Why don't you try doing this? Put God first and them second and see how everything works out. 
Because by loving God as a man, you will learn then how to love someone else and how to care for someone else and how to nurture your family and how to lead your family. If there are any single ladies out there, I, now I don't own eHarmony or Match.com or any other website that does this, but I do know how to tell you how to find someone that will truly make you happy. Look for someone who loves God before they love you. Look for someone who honors God first. Because when they do that, they will then provide for you a home that is so full of happiness and so full of love that you will just be amazed. They can pay you a lot of attention, but if they don't give it to God first, it will fade. Because if you don't put God first, you put yourself first. And so unless you want a man that puts himself first, find one who puts God first. And so this morning, we're going to look at a man who led his people and led his household by honoring God. And I believe we're going to see three things that a man who honors God will do in his life. Stand with me, please, as we honor the reading of the holy, infallible, inerrant word of God from Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. I have given you a land for which you did not labor. Cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for this very special day, Lord God. I thank you so much for this very special opportunity that we have, Lord God. And that is the opportunity to open your word and hear a word from you, God. God, I pray that you would do what only you could do, and that is let your Holy Spirit dwell among this place this morning, God. Let us hear a word from you and from you alone, and let everything that we say and do, God, let it glorify you. And it is in your precious name that we pray this morning, and all of God's people said, and you may be seated. Now keep in mind in the great book of Joshua where we are. This whole book is a book of victorious Christian living. Really, when you talk about possessing the promised land, possessing Canaan land, it is not a picture of heaven. The, the picture of Canaan and promised land is a picture of living in victorious life by being obedient to Christ and therefore possessing the things that God has ordained for you to possess. And so the book of Joshua is really a book on victorious Christian living. It's what happens when the people move to God in obedience and it also tells us what happens when they respond in disobedience and have to take a step back. And in this book of Joshua we see one of the greatest leaders to ever grace the earth, one of the greatest leaders to ever be present, and that is young brother Joshua, whom the book is titled after. You know Joshua, the one who took charge after the legend. Right, Joshua took over after Moses. Everybody knows who Moses is. Everybody knows who Moses was. I bet for young brother Joshua, there were times after he took over where he was sitting in a, in a little huddle of his group and somebody looked over at him and said, Hey, Moses, I, I, mean, I mean, hey, Joshua. Right? They, they, must stay, they couldn't get past the legend. But can I just tell you that Moses may have been the legend, but Joshua was the one to take them to the promised land. 
He was the one that God had ordained for this special group of people to go into the special land of promise. And so we're going to see a few things from Joshua. And I say this as it relates to men because I believe the word of God says that as men, we are called to be leaders in our household. But we're called to be leaders by honoring God, not by lording over our families, not by putting our thumb on our families, but by honoring God and doing what God has done for us, loving them sacrificially. So we're going to look to the word of God, to one of the greatest leaders in the Word of God and see some things that he did as we close out this book of Joshua chapter 24. The first thing that we're going to see from a man who honors God is that he will have a reminder of God's goodness. Verse 13, what's he say? He says, I have given you a land. And Joshua's talking about how God spoke to him. God said, I've given you a land for which you did not labor, cities that you didn't build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Uh, They're looking back over this time of deliverance into the promised land, looking at what God had done for them to bring them to this place. And as Joshua hears from God, I think Joshua would would flash back in his memory to the battles they fought. Now these 24 chapters of the book of Joshua chronicle some great battles for the Israelites in which they conquered a great many armies in a great many places. And he looks back and I think one thing that Joshua does as he honors God is he says, we fought a great many battles, but God was victorious in every one of them. God was the one that provided the victory in each and every one of them. And I believe he looks back as they sit in this homeland. It says that they dwell in these places. And I believe one of the things that he does is he remembers that this place that he had, it was provided him by God. You know what I'm talking about. I believe that Joshua looked back and he said, you know, as we stood on the edge of the promised land, there was a river between us and Jericho. And God caused the waters to dam up and we walked across. To the other side. And when we did, those people in Jericho realized that not only had we been delivered from Egypt, but we had crossed over the Jordan. And they realized that our God was a mighty God. I believe Joshua said, as I sit here in this promised land, I look back and I remember that once we crossed over there and we consecrated ourselves to God, we won the battle with the trumpets and the marching around and the walls came tumbling down. That had to be a God thing. Well, Joshua couldn't have been so proud that he would have said, well, when we blew the trumpets, the, the, the magnitude of the seismology of the tenor of the tone of the trumpet caused the brick to crumble and fall. No, Joshua said, if the walls came tumbling down, it's because the commander of the Lord army gave him a mighty rushing wind and as he sits here in this promised land he says I remember that when we were ambushing those in AI that it was God's plan that had been initiated and so as Joshua looks at his people and he says we've got a place called home and this home belongs to God And I believe that a man who honors God will look at his own household and utter those same very words. We have a lot of things, but family, let me tell you, they didn't come just of my own hands. They came because God has been so good to us. Because God has been before us and fought the battles. Well, I know men today, and I've been one is how I know they exist. And I've been one more recently than I care to admit, who would have the nerve to look at what they have and go, look at what I've done. Look at what I've built. Look at what I've created and begin to toot our own horn. Well, we're the same kinds of people who would have sat outside of Joshua, uh, Jericho and tooted on that horn and said, look at the wavelengths, crack those walls. And we would have forgotten 
that it's God who has provided us any ability that we have to earn a living or create anything. It has come from God. And so a man who honors God, he'll remember that his home belongs to God. But I believe that when God and Daddy are on the same page, there's something else that'll happen. I believe he'll look back and, and he'll realize that they have a place that, that they belong. Now, now keep in mind, what's, what's he say here? I've given you a land that you didn't labor for, a city that you didn't build. And so they have a place that's been given to them that belongs to them. Now I want you to keep in mind here. These Israelites, they had been slaves for some 400 years. They had been slaves in Egypt. They had wandered in the wilderness. They had done all of these things. And I don't know about you guys, but my guess is as they lay down their heads in the wilderness and as they lay as slaves in Egypt, I'm going to say they never felt like home when they were there. I'm going to say they never felt like they belonged. And here they sit in the promised land and they look back and they say, this feels like home to me. This feels like the place where I belong. I don't feel like a slave anymore. And a man who honors God will look at it and he'll look back and he'll say, God has given me not just a home, but a place where I belong, a city that belongs to me. God has given us all we need financially. Look, look how he closes out. He says you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. He, he makes it very clear. God makes it very clear. These vineyards that you have, the grapes that you have, the olives that you have, they're not because of your labor. You didn't even have to plant them. God has provided them for you. God has given them to you. And essentially what Joshua is doing is he's saying, look back and remember because I've given you these vineyards, you have grapes with which to make wine. Now in that day, it wasn't just to drink wine. It was to purify the water so they could have drinking water as well. And so to have a vineyard was important. The olives, the, the crushed olive oil in this region would have been used for cooking. It would have been sold for finances. And so God has provided them a place to live. He's given them everything they need. He's provided for them financially. He's given them provisions. And I believe that a man who honors God will look at his life and say I have everything I could ever need because God has been so good to me now I'm not saying that he'll look and I say I have everything I could possibly want I'm going to be honest with you I would like to have a brand new fishing boat and a truck to pull it with and I'd like to take brother Dennis fishing when I get it anybody that wants to buy me and brother Dennis a boat we will graciously take it and we'll honor God with it every chance we get. But I can honestly say this with my whole heart. I may not have every earthly desire that I could ever want. But I can tell you that in January, not this past January, but the one before that, I moved into a home. And about a week after moving into that home, I looked at my wife and we have a term that we use. If you don't use this term when you're describing your houses, then just smile and nod at me and go with me, okay? I said, does this feel homey to you? He said, yeah, this feels homey to me. And I was able to look back and say, we have a place that God has provided for us that feels like we belong, that we can call home, and God has done it 
oh, that house was there before, maybe before I was born. It was provided for me. I didn't have to, to toll to dig a foundation. I know some of you may have, and I appreciate it. I didn't have to do a thing. God provided that, and it's a place where we belong, and we've got everything we need. I may not have a brand-new fishing boat, but I can drive my car to the lake and pull my old fishing poles out and fish off the bank if I need to. But God has given me everything that I need. And I believe that a man who honors God will look not at what he doesn't have, but look at what he does have and say, look at how God has blessed me and my family. So there's a reminder of his goodness that a man who honors God will have. A man who honors God will also have a real decision that he has to make, though. Look what happens starting in in verse 14. It says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Do what? Serve, serve the Lord. There's a decision that's got to be made for a man that honors God. He's got to make the decision that he is going to serve the Lord. He's going to serve the Lord. You can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve the Lord you're going to serve yourself. It's going to be one or the other. You're going to serve God you're going to serve your pride. It's going to be one or the other. But you just can't serve both, not completely. And so in that decision that has to be made, uh, he, he says, I'm going to serve the Lord. And, and I believe that it starts uh, with the recognition of who the ruler is. It says, now therefore, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Now this word in the Hebrew can mean two things. Fear can, in the Hebrew could mean the way that we take it. So to have a timidness or, a, or, or be scared or be taken back by something that you're afraid of. But fear in the Hebrew normally when it's used with this, way, this word Yahweh for the Lord, it means to stand in awe or astonishment thereof. And so when Joshua says, you therefore fear the Lord, what he's really saying is now therefore... Stand in awe and astonishment of your Lord. Think about that. Stand in awe and astonishment of your Lord. Serve Him in sincerity. Serve Him in truth. Now that word for serve, I, I want to just... Just stop there. I don't do a lot, of, a lot of Hebrew, Greek words, but I think these two are very important. That word for serve there. When we think of serve, we think of, uh, you, I'll say what I think of. I think of those wonderful folks in the kitchen this past, this past year at Bible school who stood behind those tables, who got here early to warm up the fryers, who came and got stuff to take to their work and cook and did all of these things and stood behind those tables scooping French fries and corn dogs and pizzas and chicken nuggets and spaghetti and, and all those wonderful things that we had to eat. Those people who, who made cookies and served cookies and made tea and did all of these things. And guys, let's be honest. You don't just decide one morning that you want to serve 100 kids and 50 adults spaghetti and corn dogs. You do that because you want to serve the Lord. And so that's what I think of when I think about serving, somebody being willing to do something for somebody else. But this word for serve here, it goes even further than that. It literally means to become a slave thereto. To become a slave thereto. Now, now listen to me. What he's saying is when we're going to make this decision to serve the Lord, it means we're going to look to God in astonishment and in awe and make ourselves slaves in complete servanthood to Him. 
with everything we've got. That's what that sincerity and truth means. Everything we've got. So everything we've got, if we're going to serve the Lord, we've got to take everything we've got, lay it at his feet and say, I am your slave. Now, I don't know how many of you walked in here this morning hoping that the preacher would tell you you was going to have to be a slave. But if you're going to serve God, you're going to have to be a slave to God. Why? Because if you're not a slave to God, you'll be a slave to your sin. And you cannot lead if you're a slave to your sin. And so in that decision, there is a ruler that's going to be recognized, but there's also a life that's going to have to be forsaken. Look at verse 14 with me. After he says, in sincerity and truth, he says, And put away the gods that your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. 440 years of being in wandering and being in slavery, they had picked up some bad habits, wouldn't you say? They had lived in a pagan land and then wandered in a wilderness. They had started doing things that were contrary to what they were supposed to be doing. Well, you remember what happened when Moses to get the Ten Commandments, don't you? They come back and they're worshiping false idols. Moses gets them out, he breaks the tablets. Got to slide back up the mountain one more time. See, they had picked up bad habits. And so what Joshua is saying is we're in the promised land. We've made it all the way to the promised land. And once we're here, now that we're here, we've got decisions to make in our households. And in order to make that decision to serve the Lord, we're going to have to put aside the things that we used to do. We're not going to be able to do things exactly the way that we used to do them if we're going to serve the Lord. We've got to leave that life behind. Simply means this to us, church. If your life isn't what it isn't changed from what it used to be, then you haven't come in contact with the Lord of all creation. You can't worship the way you used to and worship what you used to once you've been reborn. I'm not trying to say you'll be perfect. Don't Please don't go out of here and say, hey, Brother Jason said Christians are perfect. That's not what I said at all. None of us will ever get there. We'll always sin. We'll always go back. But I'm saying you can't live in the same place you used to live and do the same things you used to do and enjoy them the way you used to enjoy them once you come in contact with the one who created everything with a purpose. You just can't do it. Why? The Word of God says that where there is light, there is no darkness. So once you have light, you can't stay in the darkness. You just can't stay there. Why? Because the light will put the darkness out. The light will shine through. And so if your life is so changed, it will show in the way that you live your life and the way that you think your thoughts. And you won't be able to worship those things that you used to worship before. God is saying here to the people of Israel and he is saying to the men here at Rocky Valley this morning, he is saying to the women and children here, quite frankly, also, if you're going to serve me, you're going to have to leave those things of your past behind. You can't take up those gods anymore. Those things that used to run you and control you and drive you, you're not going to be able to stay with those anymore. And so if you're going to have this real decision, you're going to have to recognize that God is the ruler. You're going to have to leave your old life behind, but you're also going to have to experience a surrender that is oh so sweet. Look at the end of verse 15 with me. What's he say? As for me and my house. There you go. Some of you repeated it. Let's try it again. He says, but as for me and my house. Say it one more time. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
As for me and my house, we will serve. That's, that's the decision that's being made, isn't it? I believe there's a line drawn in the sand. He says, he prefaces it first, doesn't he? He said, listen, you've got to decide for yourself what you're going to do. But for those that Joshua is responsible for, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to look to him because he's the one that brought us here. He's the one that gave us everything we've got. He's the one that gave us the very breath that we draw. And as for me and my house, we're going to give it all to him. We're going to serve him in fullness and in truth. When he says, that's for me and my house, that literally Joshua is saying, all of those that God has given me to be responsible for, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua's taking responsibility for his family and his household. Can I just tell you something real quick? God's plan for saving the household has more often than not been through the Father. And I don't just mean through the Father God. I mean through fathers here on earth. More often than not, the plan to save the household has been through the Father. Now, bless God, there are examples that we see every day where the Father ain't no count. And Mama brings her family to church and they, and they come to know Jesus. And I am so proud. But can I just say that more often than not, God uses a father coming in contact with God in order to save his whole household. You say, oh, you're being sexist, Brother Jason. There you go with one of those old southern hillbilly man-hate-woman terms that's going to weaken women. No, I'm not. I'm being biblical here. Now bear with me. Remember the Philippian jailer. Write this down. Go look at it later. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas led him to Christ. You'll remember what happened. Paul and Silas were sitting in the jail. There was a great shaking of the ground. The bars fell out. That jailer said, oh no, oh no. The men are gone. I must kill myself. What Paul and Silas do, they said, don't kill yourself, brother. We're right here. We're right here. Let me tell you about Jesus, brother. And that Philippian jailer got saved. You look at the end of Acts chapter 16. It doesn't just say that that Philippian jailer got saved. It says he got saved and all his household got saved. God saved daddy and then daddy went to the family and said, As for me and my house, we're going to serve the God of Paul and Silas who caused an earthquake. Them men so crazy they didn't run because they had enough faith in God. And I want to serve that God that they serve. Oh, hang on now. You remember the nobleman in John chapter 4? You remember him? Jesus is walking. The nobleman comes up to him and he says, My child lay sick, may be dying. Jesus don't even stop and pray. He ain't got to. Jesus don't even go to his house. He ain't got to. What's he telling me? He says, You go back home. By the time you get there, your baby's going to be better. The nobleman gets home. The baby's outside playing. He says, what happened? And the servants say, why just yesterday at such and such time, the baby got up and got better. When the nobleman went to thinking, he said, that's when I was talking to Jesus. And the word of God says that his whole household got saved. They came to know the Lord. You remember the story of Abraham and Isaac, don't you? Isaac laying there, ready to be sacrificed. An Old Testament picture of Jesus, no less. Up on that mount, Abraham, knife in hand, ready to slay his son. But the Word of God says that the faith of Abraham saved his son right there on that very day. My friends, I'm just telling you this. I'm not saying there's not ever a chance where a good woman can't save a good man. A good woman can't save a bad man. But what I'm telling you is that more often than not, when things are running the way that they're supposed to be biblically, God uses daddy to save the family. A man that will stand up and lead his family in the ways of the Lord. 
praise God for you ladies that don't have a men that will do that. For you standing up and serving God and trying to lead your family the best you can. But bless God in this nation, we don't need more men in touch with what roses look like and opening doors. Men, you should buy roses and open doors, okay? But we don't need more men that know that. We need more men that will open the Word of God, carry their sword to battle and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. That's what we're going to do. So there's a reminder of God's goodness and there's a decision that will be made. But there's also a response of obedience and then we're done. Verse 16, the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. When it says the people, that's all the inhabitants. All of those who are there and all of those who had bared arms to get them there. It's an encompassing term. Everyone under the, under the voice of Joshua that day said this. Far be it from us to forsake the Lord who brought us here. It's almost a term of astonishment. What? We would never forsake God, Joshua. They fall with their leader and they say, we're going to serve the Lord too. But their leader first said, as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Isn't that a pleasant reminder for all of you who are to lead your household? That when you make a real decision that we're going to follow the Lord, more often the family responds in obedience. Now I'm sure that they wonder They may even seem sometimes to go far away. But Proverbs 22, 6 says, If we raise them in the ways of the Lord, when they grow old, they won't depart from it. They'll have that in there. And I have seen it in so many lives. Some of them here where a man leads his family in the ways of the Lord. And even though his children may depart at a certain time, they come back. And their spouses get saved. And their grandchildren get saved. And their children come to know Jesus. And the generation continues because somebody at some point said, as for me and my house, well, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to look back to what happened on the other side of the river. We're going to serve the God of Israel, the one who brought us here. My friends, what could God do with a church full Let's not even go all the way to a nation full. What will God do with a church full of men who will say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? Man. Because that's infectious. It won't stop here, I promise you that. But what would God do if men in this country would say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? I can assure you that many of the things that we fret about would merely pass away as memories. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your wisdom, your truth, Lord God. God, we thank you for the promise that if we will decide that we will serve the Lord, God, you will honor that decision, Lord. You will bless that decision, Lord God. God, I believe that in this house there are men on this Father's Day 
whose families adore them and love them, who have thanked them already. Lord God, I pray you would convict them of just how important their calling is. Not their job, God, their calling to lead their family, Lord. Call them to repentance at your altar this morning. That they would say right now that they would draw a new line in the sand and say, As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. They've already drawn that line in the sand. You would cause them to recommit that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And it's going to start with me. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to make my life to Him as a slave to its master. That wherever He leads, I'll go. Whatever He says, I'll do. God, I believe that there's someone here this morning who's struggling because they've never said... I'm going to serve the Lord with my life. They may be man, they may be woman, they may be child. They know there's something that they haven't done and been obedient to God. And I pray that you would prick their hearts that they wouldn't be able to get through this invitation without coming and saying, God, I'm going to serve you. Wherever you lead, I'll go, Father. And it is in your precious name that we pray this morning. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.